Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free and catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You are listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous with your host, Lauren Conlon. Hey guys, and welcome to Red Carpet Rendezvous. I'm your host, Lauren Conlin, and here we are, another week, another quarantine. Um, Yeah, good times. So lately, I've been bringing you one-on-one interviews with actors and directors who have films or TV shows coming out directly to your home, but for this episode, I've got something really cool. The team behind the new indie film called Shooting Heroin arranged a virtual red carpet um, with the director and most of the cast. And it was just so much fun. Everyone was at their place of isolation. Some of us had a cocktail. And it was just a great Q&A session moderated by um, the head of the PR company. However, all the journalists were able to ask questions like it was an actual red carpet. Um, So Shooting Heroin was written and directed by Spencer T. Folmar, who based the film on actual events in his life in his home state of Pennsylvania, and it was centered around the horrible opioid epidemic that's going on right now. And there are a lot of great moments in the film, and it just sheds light on, on how these drugs are so available and so accessible to people. Um, so on the virtual red carpet was, of course, writer-director Spencer T. Fulmar. Um, there was actress Sherilyn Fenn, who's probably best known for her role in Twin Peaks and maybe the TV show Goliath. Alan Powell of Quantico and the Song. Nick Turturro of The, the Longest Yard and Black Klansman. Gary Pastore of The Deuce. And actors Jeremy John Wells and Jordan Fitzsimmons. So at times, it might not be completely clear um, who's talking. Someone just might jump in or whatever. But nevertheless, it's really interesting content just on how the film was made and how much it meant to the actors and the director. So I kind of cut things down a little bit. We actually um, were on this quote unquote carpet for like 90 minutes, but I cut things down to about 45 minutes. So I hope you guys enjoy. How's everyone doing in quarantine, by the way? This is for everybody. (laughs) I think the facts are (laughs) self-evident. Yeah, I mean, it's 5.30 where I am. That's why I'm like, please don't judge me, even though you shouldn't judge me, even if it wasn't 5.30. <laughs> I have two virtual but, No judgment. Yeah, so Did I've been covering... Oh, yeah, cheers. Cheers to you, Gary, and cheers to you, Alan, and whoever else. Yeah, Jordan, yeah. Um, so Friday, I've been covering... There's no, like, 5, so it's Friday. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Friday. I do this um, every day. And by the way, it's day. I I don't even know what day it is anymore. (laughs) So, but I've been covering um, movies that were going to go out in theaters, like Universal had all these films that were coming out. And now they're going straight to on demand. So, and today is a day where a couple movies are being released. So my question, I guess, is why should people watch this one at Spencer? Yeah. Why why should we rent it? I appreciate it. Yeah, we did have 
um, a nationwide limited theatrical release and we had a red carpet where we're all going to be together in person versus in Zoom last night in Hollywood. And yet here we are. And, you know, we considered and weighed um, the current situation that we have with the pandemic and uh, contemplated, you know, delaying the release. But I think it's important to get this story out now because, you know, despite all the efforts that are happening currently in the nation with the pandemic, the opioid epidemic is still taking lives. And this is an important story to get out today. And I'm thankful that today we have the technology like this Zoom conference call that we can do this impromptu red carpet and that people can watch this film right now in the comfort and safety of their own home. Did you base this story on anything in particular or did? Yeah, I, I based this um, film on where I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I grew up, uh, it's very rural, you know, as a Rust Belt. And uh, I've had multiple classmates in my own class and surrounding classes that have passed away specifically from heroin overdoses. Wow, I'm so sorry. Um, that's, that's absolutely terrible. I'm actually from Manchester, New Hampshire, so I can kind of relate because it's yeah. awful here. Um, so how did you, it's such a heavy movie and you know some of the actors might be able to answer this, but how do you keep things light on set when you're covering such a, a heavy topic like this? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the film comes out now in April, right? And I wrote the script two years ago. So this has been my world for two years. And I've done a lot of self-reflection recently. And I like to hear from the actors as far as their perspective carrying this heavy load. But um, it's a really heavy film. I mean, it is. You know, Shooting Heroin, it's a R-rated drama. Um, and it's dealing with weighty matters. And at every we, thankfully, we did a, a small theatrical uh, tour in the fall to engage with recovery groups and rehab centers and um, some of the areas that we filmed the movie. And there's so many stories. I mean, every single person I talked to when I was making this film in Pennsylvania, everyone knew someone that they had lost. So it's been really heavy and I'm excited to finally get this film out into the world <laughs> and have people actually watch it now and hopefully it makes a positive impact. Right. We're planning on watching it tonight. That's, yes. that's like number one on our list Thank you. for our Friday night movies. But for any of the actors, can you, can you jump in and just say sort of what you did to blow off steam when you're working on such heavy content? Uh, yeah, I mean, I won't speak for everybody else, but um, it's an interesting balance, right? Because you certainly, as an actor, you want to be, I felt responsible to the content and I felt responsible to those who have literally firsthand dealt with the matters that we were dealing with. Fortunately for myself, I, I, I haven't. So there's a, there's a responsibility to step into that place emotionally and get as close to it as you can uh, to be able to portray truth. But I had the privilege in between takes or at the very least after we got done filming that scene, I'm not good enough of an actor to like be in it and then he says cut and then I'm like out joking around and then come back. So like if I'm doing an angry scene, I'm, I'm not the guy you want to talk to in between takes. But um, I, I had the privilege of being able to snap out of it. You know, we're done with the day and we're moving between takes. So I, I don't know, I like to literally shake, like just shake it off and maybe like tell some stupid joke or smile or just laugh. Because I, I can't allow myself to do that in the process of the scene. Um, you know, whether it be Gary or, or Jordan, I remember a number of like really heavy scenes that we had to do and we would just be sad for a long time or I would uh, just be sad and, and in that place for a long time. And I appreciate guys like Spencer and uh, creating an environment where we could, we could live in that, you know, feel, feel the freedom to do that. And uh, everybody kind of understands 
the, the process. And I think everybody's really supportive as we were as we were going through that. And I, I almost feel bad for for everybody that was forced to kind of interact with me on on this movie because, like I said, it's I spend most of the time as a character in a, in a pretty dark, heavy place, and I'm not good enough to come in and out of it. So I was probably pretty dark and heavy the whole time. But I'm not that way all the time, guys. I don't know if this is the first time I've, you know, maybe the Sherilyn thinks I'm a, like a really mean, mad person, but I'm not, I haven't had a chance to see her since then, so, yeah. Can I weigh in? No. Yeah. <laughs> first day I met uh, my man over here, Al, and I didn't know what to think of him, but I always give actors their space. And uh, probably the second day that we actually warmed up to each other. and. Um, the day we shot all the bar scenes was done in one day. And Alan and I really, you know, we really bonded that day. I'll never forget when we were outside the bar shooting that scene that we heard these, uh, and it was a heavy scene. I, in fact, from what I understand, the whole crew was crying because of our performance, which is it's always kind of heartwarming. But we had to stop because these emergency vehicles were making so much noise around the corner. We found out the next day that three people had overdosed while we were shooting that scene. So it, it really brought this whole thing that we were doing uh, to a, a new perspective. And um, I have to say that is one of the most memorable days of shooting the whole movie was uh, that one particular day. And I actually liked Alan after that day. Okay. Wow. Thanks I, for sharing that. I, That's I, 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 Christine, you get a turn. You right there. Christine. What? Do what? Talk, Christine. Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually a producer, I'm not a host, but oh, thank you right. so much for including me in this. And Sherlyn, I'd love to ask you if I may, please, you know, what impact you, impacted you the most in working on this film? You've done a lot of great things throughout your career, of course, as everybody has, but for you in particular, I'm, I'm really curious to know what impacted you the most in working on this. Well, I think it's probably what impacted all of us as we've all touched by addiction in one way or another to varying degrees, either personally or family members or friends. Um, it's an important message to get out there in a world where, you know, there's so many just, you know, superhero movies and, and that's great. That has its place, but so does, you know, just telling real stories and exposing us to what's going on. Um, I learned a lot. I mean, I met people on the set who had lost children this way and, and, and um, it's just tragic. It's unbelievable. It's one of the many ways that the world or our country is just backwards and we really need to support some serious change, which is, I think, connected to everything that's going on as well. You know, it was just sad. It was, it, it was a sad reality. Um, and sometimes films have to illuminate that. They have to, you have to. That's what art is supposed to do in its purest form is kind of give voice to the difficult things and 
and I have blue freaking hair. So listen to what I have to say. <laughs> no, but um, no, I'm serious. It's, you know, this is what happens. You stay at home for too long. <laughs> no, I'm having fun. But yeah, it's a crazy, crazy world. And um, this is one of the many aspects that is tragic and crazy. So I'm proud to be a part of it and to, you know, work with Spencer, to work with everybody. It was amazing. Thank you. So here we are on the red carpet. <laughs> this well, is just like Hollywood. This is to just follow like that up then, <laughs> how do you connect to like I, what? I've been doing virtual interviews. This is amazing. First time that anyone's actually with a virtual red carpet. So nice. So sorry. Here we are. Except when my kid's running in. Sorry, that happens again. No worries. That's uh, all good. Henry, you're muted, just so you know. Oh. Hi, Henry. Does anyone else have any questions? I think Alan's getting ready to play a song for us. He Let's is. hear what he's got going on. <laughs> play us a song, Alan. It's a different, it's a different movie, I think. <laughs> um, but I'm so is there anything tonight, like, because again, I'm going to watch it tonight. Is there anything that I should really, really be looking forward to in the movie? I mean, all of you guys are clearly going to be incredible, but is anybody <laughs> going to really blow up, blow me away? Uh, I have something to say. We didn't have a lot of rehearsal time. So, and we didn't have a lot of shooting time. So we kind of scrambled to give our performances. And what we got out of it was by the end of the day, we started to become that magic that usually happens on set. And I always say the best stuff happens when the camera's rolling. You know, we, we can all rehearse. We can all try and memorize our lines. We all try and get in that groove, but the real magic happens when the camera's rolling and the unexpected happens. Um, we take those moments of quiet weirdness, forgetting the lines, and we kind of jump in and, and do our own groove. And that happened a lot on this movie. And I think those magical moments between myself and Alan, as we got to know each other, really, really made our performances what they were. I mean, I had never worked with any of these actors before. And uh, that in itself was a great, great experience. The fact that we had little time, we knew it was a, a tight budget, and we, we really didn't know each other. And um, that's when the stuff starts to shine, literally. Lauren, one thing that you know, you won't see in the film, of course, but um, something that we all experienced on set is uh, it, it's a very different experience when you shoot outside of LA. And one thing that's more um, unique and in my opinion, more enjoyable is that you see the community kind of come out 
And part of it's just curiosity because, you know, it's kind of this, it's, it's an interesting process if, you know, if it's not uh, what you're exposed to all the time. But one of the things that was really inspiring to us is um, how engaged the community was. I mean, you know, I, I think, and again, to everybody's point here, you know, when you're, we're in an area where so many people are affected by this story, it's not, it's not a Hollywood story. It's their story. It's their brother's story. It's their cousin's story. It's their spouse's story. And that was really, you know, it's not as bad here uh, as it is in some places. And that was, um, that was eye-opening for me. But at the same time, it, it brought this kind of gravity, um, you know, what was happening offset brought a respectable gravity to what we were already doing on set. Um, I remember, uh, you'll see, you know, there's this, there's this kind of pivotal moment in the scene. Uh, it involves a fire without, you know, giving anything away. Um, one thing to appreciate about that is we probably had 75 Spencer. I mean, maybe it felt like 75 or hundred. I don't know how many people were there. Uh, background actors and, and those were all people from the community but what you don't know is that they had been there from the morning doing a riot scene or a protest scene and then all there until I mean literally the middle of the night and the energy was was palpable uh, it was amazing and um, that was a really great experience um, and how long did it take you guys to shoot this from start to finish Hello, Nick. Welcome. See Nick Tutura just joined. Thanks for joining us here. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. I, I think you're muted. It's the, it's the bottom left-hand corner of your screen, at least on mine. Hey, hey there you are. How's it going? Hey. Hey, welcome. Hey. What's welcome happening? to the quarantine red carpet. Red <laughs> carpet? That's right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> where are you in Pennsylvania? Yes, sir. Back in Pennsylvania, where we filmed. Your mom's house. Dad? That's right. Yeah. Love that place. Yeah, out in the sticks for the uh, self isolation. Not a bad place to be isolated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking, Nick. We were talking a little bit about what the experience was like filming here in Central Pennsylvania. Um, you know, Jeremy was mentioning how much help we had from the community people you know, volunteering their time, extras, businesses shutting down. You know, for me too, it was a little surreal. We even filmed at my old high school. Um, and so Nick, what was kind of your experience filming in central Pennsylvania, which is not at all like Los Angeles? It was very, very, very personal because, you know, you put me at your parents' house. I got to know your parents. I got to know your family. Um, I always look at movies as like, you know, what, not just the movie, but like the whole experience. And whenever you make like a movie like that, which is, you know, personal to you, you always have like an experience. Sometimes you remember that more than the movie. <laughs> I don't mean that as a bad thing, but it, it just, it turns out that way that, you know, where you are, where the location is. I mean, like when I was a young guy, one time I was up in Rhode Island doing this movie, Federal Hill, and I was a young kid and I was staying at a dormitory with all these guys and, and his whole family was involved in the movie, like your family, you know, the mom, the dad. So it becomes like a whole thing, you know, a whole something that's like, it, it, it stays with you, which is nice, you know, cause it's, 
it isn't just always the movie. Sometimes it's the things that go into it, you know, and the people that have a hand in it that you remember. Sometimes you do some things, you don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. But, but I will remember Pennsylvania. I will remember you guys and, 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 and the movie because that was the biggest part of it for me. You know? Thank you, so Nick. What, Nick, what initially um, attracted you to the script just without knowing anything about Pennsylvania in general and just, just seeing it on paper? Well, God bless you. Some guy's sneezing. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it seemed like a, a part that was something different. You know, not you know, you always like to play different roles, different parts, and Aster and just a different sort of thing. I like to try to, you know, not always play a cop or good guy or a bad guy. Uh, so um, just the fact that it was something a little different outside the norm. I mean, you know, you never know what a movie. You know, especially even in independent movies, sometimes you might do something and you don't think anything of it. Then all of a sudden you're part of something really good. I mean, you just never know. Yes, independent films are taking over right now. So, right? You know, you never know. You never know what a movie. I mean, you know, like I was in The Black Klansman and I didn't even know that was going to be, you know, that kind of movie. I did a couple couple of scenes in the movie and then all of a sudden I was like, wow. The movie's really good, <laughs> you know. And then all of a sudden, the movie gets acclaimed, and, and all of a sudden, you're in like, "Wow, I had no." Sometimes it's the ones that you never, you know, you just you don't think about it, you know. When people go, "Oh, it's a hit," you know, and then so I was just listening to Michael Imperioli talk about The Sopranos, and you know, people always want to jump on like, "When did you know?" It's like you don't know, <laughs> you really don't know. You never know. You know, you could read something, you think it's. On paper, you'll be like, well, then it's nothing. And then so and it becomes something. And sometimes you read something great and then they screw it up. You know, it's you know, the execution of something is, so you never know, you know? I mean, hmm. that, that's the thing about, you know, independent movies. I mean, I, I just like the, the spirit of making those things because I've made my own, my share of own pilots and I've been involved in a lot of those things even when I first started acting. Produced a movie out in Red Hook. We were young guys, and we were out there winging it. And, you know, um, it was insane. But you know, you remember that, you know, that the the, the camaraderie, the spirit of of making something, because it's hard. It's hard to make even even a junkie, even whether it's good or bad, it's still hard. <laughs> you know, now, some people might say, "Oh, that was terrible." Totally, totally. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I just, you know, I just remember when I got to the set, I was hungry and I, I was in a car for hours. I flew into the wrong airport, you know, and I was like, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah. I remember that. It's so funny. That's what you remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are the things you remember. It's so, it's true. You're so funny. No. No way. Um, any other, we have some new participants that have joined us. I see um, some muted videos, but some voices. Um, some more questions from the press? Yes, hi there. Um, this is uh, Eugene, a uh, freelance writer. <clears throat> I was wondering, could we talk a little bit about like exactly where in Pennsylvania it was filmed and, and what was, were there any, any problems? Uh, it, 
getting uh, permits for filming or any any issues along those lines? And and what was the ultimate reaction from the locals? Yeah, thank you, Eugene. I appreciate you covering this. Um, so we filmed it where I grew up, which is very, very rural central Pennsylvania. It's near Penn State University. That's the closest thing nearby. It's about two hours from Pittsburgh and four hours from Philadelphia. It's right in the middle of the state. Um, and the locals were actually very supportive of the film. Um, you know, the opioid epidemic has really hit hard Pennsylvania in particular and the Rust Belt rural um, America. You know, there's still an average of 10 Pennsylvanians a day that die uh, from opioid uh, epidemic. And a lot of the people who volunteered their time, the businesses that shut down and gave us resources, they were doing so because they believed in the cause and they were frustrated that there isn't more media attention on this very important topic. And that's why we made the movie is that we wanted to just bring some light to the start topic and talk about the opioid epidemic and hopefully give people who have dealt with it some hope. And, and the community and the area were really supportive of that. Heroin Quest, of that you just mentioned Bonhoeffer. He's one of my one of my greatest heroes. I wonder if you'd tell us just a little bit more than a phrase about that project, if you can. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Uh, Bonhoeffer is one of my heroes as well, something I've, a, theolo a theologian, pastor, martyr that I've been studying um, for many years. I went to actually attended seminary um, and studied him quite a lot. And uh, the film is based on a lot of his historic writings. It's not based on any biography. And I went location scouting in Germany and Berlin. And we hope to make an announcement here soon about the the development of that project. And Rachel Hendrick, she is a sweetheart. She was supposed to join us here tonight. She did an incredible job in the film. She really nailed her role as Brittany. And um, sorry she couldn't be here tonight. She was able to attend some of the screenings, but she's a very gifted actress. And um, I, was, I was fortunate to work with so many great actors and uh, actresses here. One of the questions from Lisa Steinberg is, what advice did I give to my actors that you took to heart? Um, maybe in considering doing this film and maybe on set. And I would, anyone that would like to talk, I'd just like to open this up. I remember a conversation you had with me as I was packing up my Volkswagen from Nashville, Tennessee to Pennsylvania. Uh, you just reminded me to actually like look into what drug usage actually looks like and what a potential overdose might, might look like. And, um, that was kind of game changing. You know, I went from like what I thought it was in my head to literally listening to and watching YouTube videos in a very safe manner for about a 10 hour drive to, to set. And, um, I'll never forget that. So that was, you know, I think that really probably changed the directory of, uh, of whatever performance that I gave. So that's like the first thing that sticks out to my head. Thank you, Jordan. Gary, we'll just go down the line. Um, I think the only thing I really took in was, uh, getting there, I guess, two days before we shot and going out and meeting the locals and sitting in the bars and just, uh, getting into their vibe and trying to picture what it's like to be in a crisis in such a small heartwarming town. Uh, I found that to be the most incredible part about this movie, the fact that 
you had this horrific opioid crisis going on in basically what was the heart of America, you know, cornfields and, and, and plains and mountains and you just, you don't expect it. You, you feel like heroin's gonna be a big problem in the cities, like the major cities like New York and LA and Pittsburgh and Chicago. But to come out to the rural uh, heartland of America and see how horribly this uh, little town, which really the film was based on, had been affected by it. It really hit a nerve. It hit a chord. I remember meeting Alan one night and uh, Jordan, and we went to a bar. We had some wings. I think we were watching the uh, Michigan-Penn State game. Remember that, guys? Never forget yeah. it. Yeah. And... Uh, that was like our first night out as a collective group, hanging out with these uh, local folks and trying to put that in perspective. And again, you know, the, the night when uh, Alan and I were doing that scene outside the bar, which is a very poignant scene, and hearing these emergency vehicles and they were responding to overdoses while we were shooting a scene about a drug overdose, Man, oh man, if that doesn't hit home, I don't know what does. Yeah, for me, like I, I and, and Spencer has mentioned it a couple times because it's it's very relevant at, at a lot of turns. Just the personal nature, <clears throat> shooting in your hometown, Spence, literally shooting at your old high school, um, certainly dealing with something that that you've been forced to deal with um, in a personal way. To watch you deal with the personal side of that. And to watch you kind of put yourself out there in that way, for me as an artist, certainly felt the felt the the challenge of rising to that as a, as an actor, and trying to make it equally as personal for me. Um, but I was inspired by that. You know, I think that's that whether it be as a writer, they say write what you know. As a director, you really have to understand uh, a subject matter and a vision to be able to bring it to life. And as an actor, you have to understand why your character is dealing with what they're dealing with, what they're saying, what they're saying. So for me, it was just really inspired to see how you were handling all that, but at the same time, um, willing to allow other artists, Gary, myself, Jordan, uh, Cheryl Lynn, Kathy, anybody, um, to come in, Nick, to come in and bring uh, their perspective uh, on it. While being so personal, at the same time, not shoot, not kind of square square peg round holing somebody else's performance or somebody else's take on a character that you created. That's always a fascinating thing for me to watch. As an actor, it's you come in and you're bringing a character to life that oftentimes your director imagined. Um, and so it's it's kind of that baton handoff is an interesting, it's, it's, it's a responsibility that I know that all of us as actors feel, but it's also really interesting to kind of, to watch. Um, some directors do it better than others. Uh, and Spencer, I thought you you did that really well. It's a, it's a balance between uh, being responsible to the character and more importantly, the story that you've created, but also letting your artists be artists. So that was something that I, re I really took away and watched you do that. Thank you, Alan. Hey, Spence, I just, I got to dip out, but I just want to say, um, you know, I'm glad I got to meet you, become friends with you and your family. And um, the whole experience was really special. And, you know, and I was shocked, you know, to, to see that happening in your town because it seemed like 
over here, you know, like the American dream, it seemed like a perfectly beautiful place, but mm. there's also this sadness that was kind of there too. Mm. But, you know, you always kept it positive, which was, which was good, you know, tribute to you. Thank anyway, you. I'll talk to you soon, guys and buddy. Um, thanks, Nick. Okay, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Be well. All right, man. This is wait, my, wait, 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 wait. Where's my Yingling beer? Where is that guy? I was waiting for that. Yeah, I, I said didn't forget. This week. I didn't forget. I'm still waiting. You came on. I remembered. Yeah, you came on. I love your I accent. I drank it. You got that silly accent. All right, I'm still waiting. I said it this week. I love that beer. Um, I don't know if this is a question or an observation. It says, uh, between the nonstop smoking nope. and the drunk driving, I'm worried for the citizens of Whispering Pines. And I think what they're trying to say there is, is that, you know, when you deal with these uh, addiction issues, is it possible that some people are trading one addiction for another? Yeah, I mean, that was some tongue-in-cheek um, aspect of the script is that as much as we can unite around a single cause, whatever that might be, as much as we may, like, the, I think the thesis of the script is that as much as we want to characterize someone as either good or bad or someone else um, as having a problem and ourselves not looking in the mirror and addressing our own issues, that these, this town came together around the opioid crisis while also drunk driving, while chain smoking, and that is the irony of human life. As much as we are called to try to make a positive difference in the, in the world, right. and yet we, that usually starts with ourselves. Well, Even I if think it's blatantly if, obvious with someone else. If you want to bum a cigarette, an AA meeting is a pretty good place to go to get Yeah, it is. Yeah, and that's just the complexities and grayness of life is that the, you, you wouldn't want to watch people who don't reflect yourself. And, you know, we're all very complicated People. Yeah, I think that's actually my favorite. It's my favorite part about uh, of the the story. And I gotta say, like, I, I don't think yeah, not to ruin. Uh, I'll try not to ruin the movie for those of you that haven't seen it. But the last scene, for those of you that have, you'll know what I'm talking about. And those that haven't, you can just look forward to it. But the last scene between my character and uh, Kathy, who plays my mom, if that scene isn't in the movie, uh, I I'm not making the movie. For what, for what it's worth. Uh, what this isn't, and to Spencer's credit, Great. what this isn't is a, there's good people and there's bad people. And the good people have to stop the bad people uh, kind of movie. Uh, this is not that. This is flawed humans who are fixed on this one issue because it's the thing that they can see and they've experienced personal loss because of it. And by the way, that's a beautiful thing. They should do that. I'm certainly not saying that that shouldn't happen. But it's flawed people trying to fix a flawed situation to a certain extent without seeing their own flaw. Uh, that's interesting. That to me is humanity. Um, so, you know, again, credit to Spencer for the, for the story that he constructed, which I, I think is philosophically entirely more interesting and, and truthfully more honest to the human experience than again, a typical kind of good versus bad story. Um, and I know Kathy's not on here, but that was such an easy scene to do because Kathy is so good. Um, I, I feel like I remember Spencer, you you maybe like prepping me for the scene or whatever. And Kathy and I had worked together enough, and maybe we rehearsed the scene before we started shooting it, shooting it. And so 
feel like I remember you coming up and kind of wanted to talk about the scene. I was like, I don't know if I said it, but I certainly remember thinking, Spencer, no disrespect, but just roll the camera because she's so good. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to react to what she's doing. Um, yeah, you're spot on. Yeah. Kathy is incredible. I mean, she is yeah. just such a gift and such a pleasure to work with. I mean, she's the kind of actor that whenever you have the camera and you're shifting, um, you know, focus, she knows exactly, even if her back's turned to the camera, it's like eyes in the back of her head. It was really something. And you're right, Alan. I had almost no notes to give at all or direction between you and Kathy because it was just smooth and spot on and what's in the final cut. You know, what's interesting for this is probably has the, the, the lovely media that's here probably won't care about this at all, but I'm going to say because it it's one of my favorite stories. I, I've obviously seen Raging Bull because who hasn't? But I grew up on Casper, like grew up on that VHS, wore that thing out. So most people when they're like shaking Kathy's hands are like, oh, you were in Raging Bull and nominated. And I'm sure she gets all the time. I was like, you were the bad girl. You were the bad guy in Casper. Like I was like beside myself. <laughs> Uh, which I imagine is probably not the one that she, she gets a lot. I don't know. Maybe it is. But I'm so me, excited was, now, uh, by the way. I can't yes. wait. I'm so pumped. <laughs> yes. So you get it. She gets it. I so it. get it. <laughs> so I wore that thing out. I wore that thing out. All right. That's all I got. That's okay. So here's one, which is in the scene where Adam argues with Cheyenne and takes the little boy outside and then goes back inside to argue with his drug addicted sister. Where is the little kid? Who is watching Phil? He's in the car seat. He's in the car seat. Listen, I have, uh, I have five kids. Maybe you guys have heard some of them in the background whilst I've been speaking. There is very, there's, there's very better, very, what's the word I'm looking for? There are very few people or things that are better babysitters than a car seat and a, and a TV and a van. So uh, specifically an emergency like that. So Adam left, he thought about this by the way, Spencer, I, I feel like I remember us having this conversation on, on yes. set too, because either you or some other non-parent person came yeah, up I'm and a said, guys, person. <laughs> this, is, there you go. this is weird, the kid's going away. And I said, hey, it's all good. It's, it's a rare occurrence, but it does happen. When you have an emergency, you have to take care of. You put the kid in the car seat, you strap him in, you go take care of the thing that's no more than 20 yards away from the car at any given moment. Well, um, I admire your trust because I grew up in central Pennsylvania and my parents, even at age six or seven, I could go outside and my parents would have no idea where I was for the rest of the day. I could have fallen into a river, <laughs> I could run over anything and uh, yeah I mean they just wouldn't have found out until they rang the bell for dinner and then I didn't turn up yeah I totally get that I, I grew up in uh, Mississippi so the same for me as well to Spencer's defense and the question the question's defense uh the son he was like maybe two I think two how old was your your nephew when we actually filmed that Spence he was two years old and he yeah, was the so cutest cool. kid ever he's worth the great price of admission yeah, yeah. He said, "Daddy really to Alan really in the end kid. of the movie." <laughs> yeah, that's that's, great. that's my brother-in-law standing in the next room, but he's hugging Alan and saying, "Daddy." So that was a that was a sweet moment. I don't know if this has been asked before, but uh, this is one which is, and I I know the answer to this, which was, was there a book of any kind written about the opioid crisis in your hometown, or is this just composed from experiences that you observed? just composed from experiences I observed. 
obviously a lot of fiction inspired by true events for you know protection of privacy and um but just unfortunately there's so much material but it doesn't make it completely unique um then i don't know if you know the answer to this but I mean, I kind of think of Pennsylvania as ground zero for opioid addiction or P Pennsylvania and South Jersey in particular. Um, how has Corona impacted this fight? Has it taken people's eyes off of it? I keep asking press this and I, I, I ask them to think about it because until, you know, until a, a few days ago, not too many people died 100 or 150 a day from something besides this. Yeah, I mean, the coronavirus has had a profound impact, obviously, on the country. But I am uh, concerned, you know, that obviously the opioid epidemic isn't going to get the attention it deserves for the death count that has been ongoing for over a decade um, and will continue going. If anything, with all the despair and depression that's happening right now and isolation, which is horrible, right. um, for someone that's early in recovery, you can't go to meetings in person. Thank God there's technology like this where you can connect with people. But yeah, I'm concerned that the opioid epidemic could be at an all-time high during this pandemic while we're not watching. I mean, that's, that's what's so frustrating about the opioid epidemic and what really caused me to make this film is that no matter what happens, it never gets the attention it deserves. We never come together as a country to unite against the opioid epidemic and really make a change. It's always back burner. And unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more deaths right now, especially during this pandemic. One could argue that we aren't exactly united as a nation fighting the corona epidemic either. <laughs> um, I, I hope we're united more often going forward on many things. Okay. So we're almost to the end of our little MTV attention spans here. Um, it's just fantastic that this tech worked to do this because before we actually did it, I had no idea that it would. Uh, this is so fun. Thank you guys great. so much. I love it. I'm glad everybody, I have two virtual cocktail receptions scheduled <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> one of them is at 5.30, which is 8.30 East Coast time, and then the other one's at 7, which is, you know, 7 here. Um, so I'm thinking about getting ready for that. Does anybody have any more questions for these fine people who have put themselves in front of us and in front of you to uh, chat this afternoon? I did want to ask one, uh, one additional question, if I could, please. Spencer, earlier in the session, you mentioned something that really kind of caught my attention, which was when we tried to burn the house down, <laughs> is there something that maybe somebody else has done either on this project or a different project that you've worked on that you've gone, wow, never thought I'd do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. There was a lot of difficult moments and logistics in a 12-day shoot, which is what this was. It was very aggressive. And then, um, you know, filming in the middle of the nowhere, whenever you think like your camera goes down, you can just get something from an equipment house and that's nowhere near. And then the elements were difficult. You know, it was late October or early October, middle October, very cold, snowing, rain. And whenever I write a script, I never write it with practicality in mind. I just write whatever's in my mind and then see if I can actually make it happen. 
and this was one of those instances. We actually had, <laughs> we were prepping a real house to burn down for months. We had spent a lot of money to prep a house that needed to be demolished, and it was going to be a controlled burn by the local fire department. And then last minute, the owners got cold feet, and we had to build the house that you see in the movie in three days. That was pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, just like with foam making, you know, whatever can go wrong does go wrong, and you're just trying to keep the train from derailing. And it's fun looking back, <laughs> overcoming all these obstacles. Um, but we did, and we had a great cast with a great crew and it came together but uh it's not something i ever anticipating having to do yeah and i think listen as filmmakers we, we i think we probably all get to say that sentence at some point in every product well that's not something i ever thought that i would do uh and certainly that day because I, I got to be the one on camera to literally light the house on fire so i remember talking to my wife that night she was like, uh, you know, how was your day? What'd you do? I was like, oh, no, I just burned down a house, which is not something that I get to say very often. So I think it's one of the reasons that we all do what we do is to be able to, to kind of uh, experience things that most people don't get to experience. And by the way, I don't relish the fact that I got to burn down a house necessarily. Um, not something, well, it was fun. I'm not going to lie to you. But uh, it's, that's kind of, that's part of the fun of this job, I think. So it's good stuff. Well, I never thought I'd get the opportunity to talk to all of you. So thank you so much for the time and the movie. I can't wait to watch it. With yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm going to hop off, um, but I'm, I'm going to watch it tonight and I'm going to put out a podcast all about this movie. Thank and you. Okay, so wasn't that fun? The entire cast and crew was just so cool. I really liked talking to all of them, and it just made me really yearn for um, red carpets to come back. But but that was great. That was great in place of actually being on a carpet. So Shooting Heroin is available on demand now to buy or rent, um, and I hope you guys all enjoyed the first real virtual red carpet podcast. Until next time, stay healthy and safe, guys. for listening to Red Carpet Rendezvous. Until next time. Until next time.